How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you guys for tuning in. Today, we're going to be talking about NC basketball and football and both title favorites for this upcoming season. I'm going to give you my four top teams who I think can take home a title after making a big run in March Madness this year. I'm going to give my four college playoff teams and who I think will end up ultimately winning. I'm going to talk about whether the Mets' hot run as of late will be able to give them momentum enough to carry them into the playoffs. And then finally, we're going to be talking about the NFL preseason, whether they need to change it or get rid of it as a whole. So we're starting off talking about some NCAA basketball. I'm going to give you four teams to keep an eye on for this upcoming season. And for these four teams who I think can make some deep runs in the NCAA tournament, as well as a few wildcard teams, just to keep note of. Um, starting off with Michigan State, I think they're the title favorites going into this season. Um, bringing back a few key starters, including Cassius Winston and Josh Langford. Um, Winston really carried Michigan State last year in their Final Four run. Um, Tom Izzo is one of the best coaches in all of the NCAA basketball, not just this year, just in the history of NCAA coaching in general as well. Um, they've always been a very strong defensive team, and I think Winston coming back is super big for them. I think he's going to really lead the young group of guys they got coming in. They return a lot of starters from last year as well. They didn't really lose too many players to the draft or just graduating. So I think they're the favorites this year, in my opinion, to really make a deep run. Um, Duke is going to be there as well. Duke's in the conversation to win year in and year out. Um, last year, I think a lot of people would say they underachieved just because they had three amazing players in Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. Um, the big news for Duke was bringing back Trey Jones. He decided to come back, um, return for his sophomore season. Coach K is probably, in my opinion, the greatest coach in the history of college basketball. So obviously, anytime you have a coach of that caliber, you can't count them out. And anything, they have a lot of young, up-and-coming guys um, that they brought in their recruiting class, including Vernon Carey, who I think is going to be a huge addition for them, especially after losing Zion and RJ as far as getting more points in the paint. And then I think Joey Baker's kind of a wild card. I think he's a really good shooter. It'll be really interesting this year to see how far he comes. And they still have some couple guys coming back, like Alex O'Connell, see how he um, does this year. I think he might plug in and start this year. We'll see what Coach K decides to do. Um, Kansas is another team to keep an eye on. Um, Devon Dotson and Odaka Azubuki are their big returners. Azubuki missed most of last season with a wrist injury. Um, he had a wrist surgery in the offseason, so he'll be back this year. And then landing transfer Isaiah Moss from Iowa I think is a huge get for them. Um, I think Kansas each year is always in that top 10 conversation. I think they've really underachieved the past few years, but I can really see them having a bounce back year, especially with Azabuki coming back and Dotson leading that team. Um, and then my fourth team to keep an eye on is Kentucky. Um, Ashton Hagens coming back along with Khalil Whitney coming in. Um, I think they're going to have a very strong team. And 
talking about Tom Izzo and Coach K before, John Calpari um, is another great coach as far as the college regs go in history. Um, I think Kentucky also underachieved last year, even though they made a very nice tournament run, but they did lose a lot of guys to the draft, including P.J. Washington and Tyler Hero, and then they lost Reed Travis to graduation as well. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how they do this year, but I definitely think they're going to be in contention. Then some teams to keep an eye on. Um, UNC, Roy Williams always does a nice job coaching their team. They lost a lot of guys. However, they did bring in Cole Anthony, one of the top recruits in the nation. So it'll be a team to keep an eye on. I think Maryland and Seton Hall are both teams that could surprise some people. Seton Hall is one of the best players in the country. And Miles Powell. And then Memphis, um, getting James Weissman the number one recruited player to sign there. Um, Hardaway did a really nice job in recruiting. So Memphis will definitely be a team to keep an eye on. I think they'll be in the top 25 for most of the year. Whether or not they can make um, a deep tournament run is to be seen. But I think Michigan State would be my favorite right now um, to win the title come March. Um, moving on to NCAA football, um, I have four teams who I think are going to be playing for the college football playoff. I'm going to give you my four and tell you who I think is going to win. Um, so we got Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma. Um, some teams that you see there over and over again, obviously. Um, Clemson's my number one team um, just because they've won two of the past three times they've played Alabama in the national championship, and Alabama's been the powerhouse for the past 10, 15 years of college football. Um, Trevor Lawrence personally I think is the best player in the country and be very shocked if he didn't win the Heisman this year. Um, they destroyed Alabama last year in the title game, which was something we haven't seen in a really long time. Um, Dabo Sweeney is one of the best coaches in the country. I think Nick Saban still holds that for um, best overall coach, but Dabo Sweeney is definitely coming. And then Clemson is just one of the best receiving cores in T. Higgins and Justin Ross. And then going along with Trevor Lawrence, the offense is just overpowering. So I think have them as the number one seed. I have Alabama coming in at number two. Tua Tagovailoa really jumped down to the scene last year um, after they decided to go with him instead of Jalen Hurts the year before that. Um, they don't face a preseason top 25 team until week seven. So Alabama's always had a pretty favorable schedule the past few years, so I think that's going to help them again this year. And as I just mentioned, Nick Saban, probably the best college coach we've seen. And then Alabama has the best defense in the country, in my opinion, so I think that'll be able to carry them into the college football playoff. And until another team besides Clemson knocks them off, I think they're pretty secure. Um, and I think they do have the best wide receiver in the country in Jerry Judy. Uh, he had 1,315 receiving yards last year and 14 touchdowns. Um, he's recognized as probably the best player or wide receiver in the country and could go very early as a first-round pick next year in the NFL draft. Um, my third overall team is Georgia. Um, Georgia gave Alabama a run for their money last year but just couldn't get it done. But they are returning a lot of key players, including Jake Fromm, who I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. I think people recognize his talent, but I don't think he talks about nearly as much as he should. Um, Kirby Smart's done a really good job building up that program. Um, I think they have the best offensive line in the country, which really helps Fromm and the running game get going. Um, and I think 
they do have a little bit of trouble rushing the passer. Um, if there's any point of weakness in Georgia's their defense, not that they have a bad defense, but they really struggled last year to rush the quarterback, and I think that could do them in this year, but I still think they're going to make the college football playoff. And then the fourth seed's kind of up in the air. There's a lot of teams. you got Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, um, a lot of teams going for that final spot. I think Oklahoma is going to take the fourth spot. Um, the big reason I believe in Oklahoma is pretty much because of Lincoln Riley. Um, they got Jalen Hurts from Alabama, which is really intriguing. I think that'll be a storyline throughout the course of the year. But you just see what Lincoln Riley's done with the previous two quarterbacks he's had in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and his ability to use them in his offense. And then Mayfield and Kyler have both been past number one picks in the NFL draft. So I think he's going to really help Hurts. And that offense should be star-studded. And then C.D. Lamb is a returning wide receiver who I think is going to be huge for Hurts, um, adapting himself to the offense. And they've always had a pretty good defense. I don't think it's quite as good this year as it was in previous years. But I think Oklahoma's overpowering offense with Hurts running the ship is going to be able to get them um, to the college football playoff. Um, personally, I think Georgia and Clemson are going to be the two teams that would meet in the national championship. I think Georgia's finally going to um, beat Alabama as they fell short last year. But I think in the end, Clemson's still the team to beat. And I just find it very hard to believe any team's going to be able to knock them off. Um, just the way they dominated Alabama last year, and Trevor Lawrence is only going to continue to get better. Um, he's probably one of the best college football players we've seen in a long time. Um, and just his superstar status that's growing um, as we speak is pretty unprecedented. You have to go back to guys like Tebow and Manziel um, talking about a quarterback that really just came onto the scene and took over. So I'm looking forward to this college football season and seeing if any team is going to be able to knock off Clemson. But overall, I think they're the odds-on favorite. So now transitioning into the New York Mets. Um, recently, they've been on a pretty hot stretch. They're currently sitting at 68 and 66 overall, and they're five games back of a wild card spot. Um, from July 26th through August 10th, the Mets won 14 of 15 games. Um, they were winning a lot of really close games. Pete Alonso's been a sensation this year as a rookie. Um, he just broke the home run record set by a rookie in Mets history. Um, they won five straight, again, from August 17th through August 22nd, including a sweep against the Cleveland Indians, who are one of the better teams in the AL. Um, they've struggled a little bit recently. They won their last game um, against the Phillies, but they did lose six straight against the Cubs and Braves, which really hurt them. Um, if they were going to sweep any team, um, I think they would have rather swept the Cubs or the Braves instead of the Indians just because NL and they're currently behind both of those teams as far as getting into the playoffs. Um, the end of the season is definitely going to be key for the Mets as they play four games against the Diamondbacks, who are currently a half game behind. They play five games against the Phillies, which they're one and a half games back. And then they do have three games against the Nationals, who are seven and a half games ahead of them and are currently holding on to the number one wild card spot. Still big games nonetheless. And they do have four games against the Marlins, who's one of the worst teams in the MLB, so they really do have to take advantage of that. But overall, I do think the Mets do have a really good chance of making the playoffs and making a run. 
Um, I think it's all going to come down to whether or not they can take two out of three or three out of four games against some of those teams that I mentioned before, especially the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. Um, Wilson Ramos, Pete Alonzo, um, Frazier, Conforto, and all those guys, if they can really start swinging the bats a little better and getting run support um, for their outstanding pitchers they have, it seems like the Mets' problem always in the past was they've always had good starting pitching, but they just never got enough run support um, to really win a lot of games. I think they're doing a lot better right now of winning more games and putting more runs on the board. Um, if they do get into the postseason, um, I think the Mets could be a tough team to beat. Um, you look at their starting pitching staff between Syngard, DeGrom, Wheeler, Mats, and then they just acquired Stroman. Um, if those guys get hot, the Mets could really be a contender for a World Series. Um, my biggest concern for them um, would have to be the relief pitching, whether that's um, familiar Diaz closing games. They've been pretty lackluster this year. Um, Diaz only has 25 saves series and one and six overall with a 5.3 ERA and then Familia's 5.7. Um, the only consistent guy really out of their bullpen is Justin Wilson. Uh, he had 2.15 ERA right now and then Cano's currently on the 10 day um, injured list so hopefully he'll be able to come back and give them some momentum towards the end of the season with only about 25 games left. Um, I think the Mets, as I mentioned, have been a little bit of a surprise team this year. I think a lot of people didn't think they'd be doing as well, especially just with everything with Cespedes and his whole contract and being injured all the time. Um, they lost some guys, and a lot of people didn't like the Robinson Cano trade because um, some people think he's pretty washed up or he's well past his prime. Um, overall, he hasn't had a great year, but he hasn't been bad. Um I think some of their moves have been questionable. I think they needed to go out and get some more relief pitching, but acquiring a guy like Stroman shows they're committed to not only the long term, but really trying to make a push towards the playoffs here and their ability to win those 14 out of 15, as I talked about before, is very impressive in my opinion. Um, but I think overall it's going to come down between them and uh, possibly the Cubs or Diamondbacks. For that final second of wild card spot, um, I think the Nationals have been playing some great baseball lately, and I think they're really going to hold on to that top wild card. Um, I think the Cubs have a great team on paper between um, Rizzo and Brian and a lot of other young guys and up-and-coming stars. But, um, you know, sometimes it's all about whatever team can get hot. And personally, I think the Mets are going to make a run towards the end of the season here and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they get that number two wild card, or if they do miss, I wouldn't be shocked if it was only by a game or two. Um, so now talking about a topic I've wanted to address for a while, uh, something I feel pretty passionate about, about the preseason the NFL. So I'm going to go into my personal opinions, but first I'm going to talk about um, why they should and should not um, get rid of the NFL preseason. Um, so we're starting off why they shouldn't. Um, the biggest reason why the preseason is the way it is already is just because they want to give rookies and those second and third year players an opportunity to get those game reps. Um, you know, they go through training camp and OTAs and whatnot, but it's not nothing like actually competing in an actual game. So I think a lot of coaches feel it's important and it's the league also feels it's important to get those guys reps just so they're not 
going into the season cold, and I think that's another reason why they do have preseason. It's because they want to try to put on the best product on the field. And I think having those preseason games gets the players a little bit more tuned up rather than having no preseason games that are going in pretty cold. And odds are the first few weeks you have some pretty uh, lopsided games and maybe a lot more turnovers and penalties just because um, they wouldn't be accustomed to it yet. Where the preseason kind of allows you to get some of that stuff out of the way. Um, you see a lot of penalties in preseason, and I think uh, the overall quality of play probably does um, improve in weeks like one through four just because of preseason where you get those um, jitters and all the dumb plays out of your system. Um, obviously, in preseason, you're trying to evaluate players, um, and if you don't have preseason, it's kind of hard to do so, um, and it wouldn't allow players to showcase any of their talent um, and make a roster. Um, you see a lot of undrafted guys. You look around the league at guys like Philip Lindsay. Um, you look at team like Buffalo in the past, Fred Jackson. Just name a few guys like that who go undrafted because they get a shot in the preseason to showcase their talents. They make a roster. If you don't do that, it's kind of hard to do so, um, considering there isn't really another um, place to play football right now. Um NFL marketing and money also plays a huge part in why they will never get rid of the preseason. Um, NFL is obviously a business. They're doing whatever they can to market their product and do whatever it takes to get any money in any way. Um, so by having the preseason four games, that's just four more games of revenue that they're generating. Um, and I don't think the NFL is just going to turn away an opportunity to make more money. And also... Um, from a family perspective, I think the preseason is good in that it's a cheaper option for any family or if you just want to go to a game with your friends, it's a lot cheaper than regular season games depending on the market. Um, you, you go to like a Dolphins, Bills, Browns, any of those lower market teams, the odds are the ticket price are going to be a lot cheaper than if you're going to a bigger market. If you go to a Seahawks game, you go to a Philadelphia game, uh, you go to a Green Bay game where they have great fans, also a bigger market as far as NFL goes. Um, so I think preseason allows fans to get a little more engaged with their team just because it usually is a lot cheaper um, compared to regular season where you could pay two, $300 um, just to sit in the 100 level, if not 300 level depending on how good your team is if you go to a Patriots game odds are you're probably paying a hundred dollars if not more to sit in the 300s or higher um, just because the team is very good so I think there are a lot of positives that do come out of preseason um, however you look at the other side of it why there shouldn't be preseason um, biggest reason is just injuries you have players that are star caliber playing in games that essentially mean nothing. They don't count against you for regular season. Whether you win or lose, it really does not matter at all. I mean, you look at injuries alone in this preseason, whether it's the Jets starting linebacker Avery Williamson, the Texans starting running back Lamar Miller going down with an ACL injury. Those are just injuries that can be avoided by not playing preseason. You're putting your best players out there in meaningless games just to get reps. And especially for veteran players, um, getting these extra reps really means nothing. Um, you're looking more and more at the trend 
as preseason goes on year to year. These all-star and Pro Bowl type players and veterans aren't even playing. Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't played at all this preseason. Phillip Rivers hasn't played. Drew Brees has barely played. Um, Tom Brady, guys like that, maybe play a few series. But if they're not if they're not playing just a few series, they're more than likely not playing at all. So what does that really do other than uh, give the fans something a little more they want? Um, a lot of fans always get hyped up for the third preseason game because it's said to be the biggest game of the preseason because the starters usually play one half or into the third quarter. And then the fourth game is kind of just a joke because it's just a bunch of players that more than likely won't make a team or it's the third or fourth string quarterback playing an entire game just to see if he can get a roster spot or practice squad spot. Um, so to me, I don't think it makes sense um, to have all these veteran players play in preseason games. Even these second and third year guys, um, you look at the quarterback class from last year with Mayfield, Allen, Darnold, um, a lot of those coaches don't want these guys playing in those games because those guys are going to be the face of their franchise going forward, and you don't want them getting hurt in a game that does not count. That's my biggest thing with the preseason. It does not count. And then as far as well, before I said it was cheaper to go to games, um, you're also getting a less product on the field. There's a lot more penalties. Um, you're seeing a lot of players that, as I just mentioned, aren't even going to make the team. Um, you're seeing a lot more scoring probably than usual, which can be a good or bad thing. Um, some fans out there like to see some defense um, played. And the preseason's honestly used to find the final seven, eight guys maybe, and that's personally I think that's a little high um, for your final roster, 53-man roster spot. Um, so to me, in my opinion, what the NFL should do is they should move to a two-game preseason that way, they're still going to make their money, not completely taking away the preseason. Um, I do get the importance of you want to have the players play a little bit in in-game against another team just so you're not completely cold going into it, although you're seeing more and more teams in the preseason um, practice with other teams, which I think is very beneficial. But I think a two-game preseason would allow your starters to play maybe half, if not both first halves of both games, just to get them some more reps. Um, I believe the NFL should allow more spots um, on practice squads. That way you don't have to risk losing a player that maybe you didn't get to properly evaluate. It allows more players to not get hurt, and it allows you to keep more players on your practice squad that you could eventually call up your 53-man roster if needed, or you just make the rosters bigger, um, whether you make that, 60 or 65 man roster I don't know I don't know if the NFL would go for that but overall I think just eliminating games in preseason is going to help prevent injuries it's going to create for a better product on the field overall and I think a two-game preseason and adding more practice squad players um, allows teams to continue to develop players and not have to cut too many and risk losing a player that might end up being good but they didn't get to properly evaluate um, and I also think it allows the starters to get in shape and get those game-like reps. Um, another major thing I think the NFL needs to consider, which they've been very stingy on, is getting a minor league system. 
You look around the big four sports. You look at hockey. They have the AHL. You look at baseball. They got AAA and AA, if not lower in single A and more. Um, you look at the NBA. They have the G League. Um, even the big three now, um, older players or players that kind of got in the NBA and got out um, are starting to get looked at now by NBA teams to come back just because they're exposed. Um, and the NFL is the only one of the big four that doesn't have a minor league system. Um, I think if they were to, they should have linked up with the AFL. Like maybe they could still bring that back. and Or I know they might not want to work with the program like the XFL. But I think it would be pretty beneficial um, if you had some minor league teams that you could pull players from if injuries happen. And it allow players to continue to develop instead of just jumping from practice squad to practice squad. Um, throughout the course of a year. So um, overall, that's my thought on preseason. I think they should um, bring it down to a two-game preseason. Um, Personally, I wouldn't even be against doing one game or zero. As I've said before, it doesn't mean anything. Um, I don't even watch preseason that much just because it's frustrating that it gets to a fourth and five or fourth and six in a preseason game. No matter where it is on the field, for the exception of being inside like your own 30, you should be going for it. It doesn't matter. What is punting or kicking going to do? You can find if you have a good punter or a kicker um, based on what they're doing at practice. Sure, you want to have them out there once or twice a game just to see an in-game-like rep. Other than that, you should be going for it on fourth down. It should be required that you go for it on fourth down. In preseason, in my opinion, I think it's just dumb to be kicking field goals and punting. Like, no one really wants to see that. Um, and just from an injury perspective, I think the preseason is just dumb in general. Um, but as I mentioned, I think a two-game preseason would be a good middle ground. Um, so next week we're going to be talking about thoughts on the Bills' final roster um, and a su- couple surprise moves, including LaShawn McCoy being cut. Um, we're going to be talking about Sam Reinhart and what his potential contract for the future it could look like for the Sabres. We'll preview some Niagara hoops um, next week, and then we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Braves, as the Clippers announced this week, that they're going to be wearing Buffalo Braves jerseys this year for select games. I think that's awesome, so we're talking about that next week. But um, that's going to be a wrap for this week's episode, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate all the support, and um, I hope you guys enjoy your week and tune in next week. Thanks again, guys. Bye.